Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you here for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope that you're enjoying it. I hope that you had a great week, and I hope you have some awesome plans for this upcoming weekend. We know what Sunday is. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Are you like me? Are you going to be watching the game, or are you just not that interested? Obviously, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not a gambling man other than maybe some FanDuel. That's about it. Uh, so for me, this the Super Bowl, take it or leave it. I'll watch it. It'll be on. But if I miss a few plays here or there, it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to pause it, not going to rewind. Uh, maybe maybe some of the fans that listen to the Let's Ride are diehard fans that they're not going to miss a thing. That's eh, just not my cup of tea. I'm more of just a Steeler fan any more than an NFL fan. But we're going to talk about that Super Bowl in the second half of the show. Where I'm going to give you my game pick. We're going to break down that game, talk about the spread, over, under, all that good stuff. That's not how we're going to start this show, though. We are going to start this show with some news. Okay, that's what I've been doing. In case you just, in case you missed a few episodes, I'm going to start with news. The first news, or the most current news, is the fact that the Steelers did, in fact, hire a quarterbacks coach. This came across the wire Thursday evening, probably around 6:30 p.m. Eastern time, and it's Mike Sullivan. No, not the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey coach, Mike Sullivan, who had worked with the the Denver Broncos as well as the New York Giants as both a coordinator and a quarterback's coach. He's worked with Eli Manning. So uh, he obviously has a lot of experience as a quarterback's coach, and the Pittsburgh Steelers bring him in to work with their quarterbacks. Everything you hear so far is positive about Mike Sullivan, so there's not much news there. They had already, I believe, uh, because they interviewed Pep Hamilton for the coordinator job, not for the quarterback's coach, this was the only person that was made public that they actually interviewed. They end up hiring him. Seems like Matt Canada's offensive staff is coming together. They still have, do have a couple vacancies to fill. They have to fill Tom Bradley's spot as the defensive backs coach if they choose to fill that because they could always just have Terrell Austin handle those duties. We'll see how that pans out. But ultimately, Mike Tomlin's coaching staff, slowly but surely, is coming together. But that's not the news that we really want to talk about today. The news that we really want to talk about today is an article that I wrote Thursday morning for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I saw this on Wednesday evening. Now, not not to get into the minutia of running a website, but there are certain articles that you want to just you don't want to run them right away. You just kind of want to hold on to it, let and then but make that sucker publish right when things are hot, meaning when people are getting to work, when they're waking up, they're turning on their devices, and they want to see what's going on in the world of sports, especially with the Steelers. You want things to be popping right at that time. And I so I held this story. I could have written it Wednesday night, but I chose not to. I said, let's wait till Thursday morning. And that was the comments made by Bruce Arians. Now, Bruce Arians, former offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he is an outgoing guy. He's a fun-loving guy. He's also a coach that is not going to bite his tongue at all. He's going to tell you what he thinks. He's going to tell you how he feels. And that's just the way that he is. Take it or leave it. That's what kind of coach and what kind of man Bruce Arians is. Some people love that. Some people say, I'd wish he was a little bit more you know, uh, conservative from a public relations standpoint. Nonetheless, you know that leading up to the Super Bowl, he's going to be asked a lot of questions. He's going to get asked about 
everything from Byron Leftwich being the offensive coordinator to what it's like to coach Tom Brady, and then you know the comparisons are going to be coming. The comparisons of what's it like working with Tom Brady compared to some of the other quarterbacks that you have worked with throughout your career. And we know what Bruce Arians does. He's not going to hold back. He's going to give you a full-on answer. Now, before we get into his official quote, and I say official quote for a reason, because there was a quote that was put out there by Brooke Pryor of ESPN. She was definitely paying attention to what Bruce Arians was saying. And this is what she wrote on her verified Twitter page. Bruce Arians talking about what he's learned about quarterbacks he's working with says of Ben Roethlisberger there wasn't the same kind of learning slash prep style as Brady, Manning, or Luck. Quote, Ben, he didn't want that. Didn't want to overload him. He just wanted to go play. End quote. So that's the first thing. That is the first thing that hits the wire. And of course, Steeler fans are up in arms. This is this is literally Emmanuel Sanders 2.0. Remember, when Emmanuel Sanders was a free agent, he leaves Pittsburgh, he ends up going to Denver, where Peyton Manning is now, and he talked about how Peyton Manning was such a great leader, and he's never experienced that before. Basically, these backhanded digs into the back where he's just twisting the knife in the back of Ben Roethlisberger. It definitely felt like that. It definitely felt like that. But then you saw the whole quote. So let me read you the whole quote. Here we go. Quote, with Tom, talking about Tom Brady, there's not much to tweak. It's just a matter of verbiage. When he came in, when we were talking in free agency about one guy learning the language versus another 20 guys learning the language because they had been in the system, he was all in as far as learning the system. There's not much to tweak. He definitely knows how to take care of himself. He's a great, great player. His preparation reminds me so much of Peyton Manning. Those two guys set the bar as far as preparation for the guys that I have coached. He continues, Ben, referring to Ben Roethlisberger, he didn't want that stuff. He just liked to go play, and he knew what he was doing, but he didn't want to overload him. Andrew Luck was the same way. He was so smart, but all these guys have a grit about them that they can will themselves on on other people and make them win, end quote. So when you see the full context of Bruce Arians' quote, when you see the full quote, I should say, to me, when I read the full quote, I actually was like, well, I get what he's saying. And that's the headline of today's podcast, and that is Ben Roethlisberger is a unique beast in the world of NFL quarterbacks. This is not breaking news, folks. This is not Emmanuel Sanders calling out Ben Roethlisberger. This is the former quarterbacks coach, the former coordinator, the good friend of Ben Roethlisberger. We're talking about Bruce Arians here. That he just said that he's just Ben's a different guy. He's a different guy. Again, this isn't news, or it should not be news to you, the listener, to you, the fan, if you've been paying attention. Ben is different. He's always been different. He's been different in so many ways. The way that he plays the game, you think about early in his career, scrambling around, he was not a running quarterback, but he was mobile enough to make plays, big arm, throwing defensive linemen off him, never just going to surrender a play, never going to take a sack. That's not normal in today's National Football League, but he's not your atypical quarterback in any sense of the word. You know, 
I get that he comes off as having a bad attitude sometimes. That might, might not be the case. And he comes off as not caring sometimes. I, I think that might not be the case either. I'm not going to compare the National Football League as a professional sport where players get paid millions of dollars to high school sports. Actually, I am going to do that. I'm not going to lie. I coached, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I used to coach lacrosse in the state of Maryland, boys, men's lacrosse, high school, varsity lacrosse, for about 12 years. And I got to I got to coach some really good players that went on and had great careers in college, got scholarships, etc. One of the best players, the most naturally talented players that I ever coached was someone, and I'm not going to say his name because, well, not that he would listen to the podcast, but just in case. He was someone that everyone thought he didn't give two craps about the team. He didn't care about winning. He didn't care whether they lost, won, tied, doesn't matter. It just seemed like everything just rolled off his back. What he was, he was a gamer. But what people never saw, and he didn't want them to see this, maybe it's for a persona reason, maybe it's because he was, he dealt with things differently, is that that player, he cared more than anyone else. He just didn't show it the way that everyone else does. He wasn't the rah, rah, let's go get him guy. He was the, I'm going to, this is true. This is actually a true story. When we lost a really close game to a rival team of ours, he was the one that when everyone else left the locker room, he was outside of the locker room on the ground, still in his full gear and tears running down his face because he cared that much. I feel like Roethlisberger is the same way in a lot of ways, meaning he does care. He just doesn't show it the same way in a way that fans can always see it. And sometimes when you do see it, it doesn't seem genuine because it doesn't it doesn't come natural to him. When you hear him talking to the team, a lot of times people are like, "Yeah, it just kind of sounds funny. I don't know if I I don't know if I really buy into this." And, and that's okay. That's okay. He's trying because he feels like that's what he has to do. But it's just not who he is. Ben cares. Absolutely cares. He wants to win Super Bowls. He wants to See, he wants Art Rooney II to be able to hoist a Lombardi like his dad Dan did. He wants Mike Tomlin to win another one. He wants to try to get closer to Terry Bradshaw in terms of Steelers history. Yes, he does care. But sometimes the most naturally gifted players are sometimes the ones that take it for granted too. And I think that could also be a part of Ben Roethlisberger that maybe we don't think about too often. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger is a ridiculously gifted athlete. Not just in football, he was a three-sport athlete at Finley High School, basketball. Everyone everyone that you hear talk about him growing up was that basketball was his first love. He loved playing basketball, football. He wasn't even a quarterback to his senior year, and he played baseball too. And this is an athletic, a very God-given athletic man. Sometimes, and you see this early in Roethlisberger's career, it just felt like he was taking it for granted. It felt like the success that he had early on, he just took it for granted. But the one thing, let's bring this full circle here. The one thing we can't forget is that Roethlisberger's just always been a unique beast at the quarterback position. The way that he plays, his build, I mean, Big Ben was given him that, he was given that label not just because of the clock in London, but because he was, I mean, six foot four, 245 pounds. 
He's able to move the way that he is, even being that big. Some people would say that he's been too big at times. He's just been so unique. And then you throw in some of the stuff off the field. And I hate to bring this up, but it has to be a part of the narrative when you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger. It just has to be. The motorcycle accident. The appendectomy before the season started. The off-field allegations. Then you get into you know confrontations or reports of discontent about offensive coordinators and things like that. And then you have the elbow injury. His entire career has been unique. There's been nothing that is generic about his career from the moment it started. Winning all those games in his rookie year in 2004, winning the Super Bowl in his second season, his meteoric, I mean, that's the best way I can put it, his meteoric rise to stardom in the NFL as a pro that early in his career was just, it was incredible. The one thing I want to make sure everyone's clear on, though, Ben's at the end of his career. Maybe maybe he'll play one more year. Maybe he'll play two more years. Maybe he won't play at all. Maybe he's done. But the one thing that fans can't expect, and if you still do expect this, then you're off your rocker. Hate to tell you that, but you're off your rocker is that Ben won't change. If you don't like the fact that he comes off as maybe having a bad attitude from time to time, if you don't think that he cares a lot about the team and about winning, you will not see anything different. For the rest of his career. That's who he is. He's beyond that point. He's beyond the point of changing his MO. But Bruce Arians' comments, a lot of fans said, man, this is a damning report on Roethlisberger. Because I think as fans, we want to see the quarterback, especially the quarterback, to be the bookworm. We want them to be the first one in the building watching film and the last one out watching film. We want the coaches to say, oh, you're still in here. I'll leave the lights on for you. I'm leaving. I'll talk to you later. And that's just not Ben Roethlisberger, ever. I do feel like he's become more analytical in his approach, and he's become more of a film room guy later in his career. If Is he going to one day down the road say, I wonder what if? I wonder what my career would have been like if I would have handled things differently early? I don't know. I can't speak for him. But at the same time, what's done is done. And I don't think Arians was wrong. In what he said. I don't think Arians was wrong for saying what he said. He's speaking the truth. Like I said at the beginning of the show, that's what Bruce Arians does. You ask him a question, he's going to answer it. He's not going to dance around the topic. He's not Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, if you asked him that question, he would say, well, you know, uh, well, if you get red paint, you're going to paint your barn red. And you obviously, and all this stuff. That's not Bruce Arians. He's a he is as straight is a straight shooter. He's as straight as they come in terms of he's going to tell you what he thinks, and that's just how he is. And I don't think that he was wrong, but I also don't think that what he said was damning of Ben Roethlisberger. He's just a different type of quarterback. He is, like I said in the title, a unique beast in the world of National Football League quarterbacks. The guy won two Super Bowls. He's been to three. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. You cannot say that. He could have, would have, should have done something different. Ben might be able to say that. Ben might say, well, man, I wonder if I would have been able to read defenses that well early in my career, what it would have done for my numbers. Maybe, but ultimately the success he's had, I don't think he's going to be complaining much at all. So just want to talk about that, that Bruce Arians quote. A lot of people were talking about it. It's getting a lot of traction. I'm just kind of trying to put the brakes to it and saying, number one, Bruce Arians, that's no one should be shocked by that. Number two, 
We know Ben's a little different in terms of how he plays, the way he prepares, the way he handles himself. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it always will be. There you have that. When we come back after this break, we're going to talk about Super Bowl 55. I'm going to give you my picks. We're going to break that game down. We're going to finish up with some heart-to-heart. I'm going to tell a story. I primed this on Wednesday, Steelers versus Colts, 2005. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host and the co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I really am happy and proud that you're taking a part of your Friday to be with me. And so here we go. Let's get started with the second half. Ah, this is a. I've been saying how depressing the playoffs can be, and this is just the. This is the pinnacle. This is the. It's everything's coming to a head here, and in fact, it's Super Bowl Fifty Five. Kicks off at 6.30 p.m. on CBS this Sunday, and then that's it. And then that's it. They will have crowned another Super Bowl winner, and the offseason will commence in March. But here we go. This is the last pick segment of twenty the 2020 regular season. Clearly, we'll be back at the end of 2021 to talk about another Steeler season. But for the moment, this is it. The last pick segment. For this Let's Ride, this first inaugural season of Let's Ride, when the Ride or Die crew was developed, this is the last pick. So here we go. Let me find that tape one more time. I haven't used it in a while, so hold on. Here we go. All right, here we go. Super Bowl 55, like I said, 6.30 p.m. on CBS. The 16-2 Kansas City Chiefs versus the 14-5 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first time in Super Bowl history that a home team where the stadium the stadium that is hosting the Super Bowl the team that plays there will actually be in the Super Bowl the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that's where they play their home games at Raymond James Stadium but they're not going to be firing off the cannons let me just say how stupid I think the National Football League is for telling Tampa Bay if you score you can't fire off the cannons and I had some people on Twitter say to me Jeff What do you mean? There's no way they could fire the cannons. It's supposed to be a neutral site. I'm not saying that they should play third down music or all that stuff. No, I'm saying that if they score a touchdown, who cares if they fire the cannons? There's going to be about 20,000 fans there. A lot of them are going to be Tampa Bay fans, obviously. If you fire the cannons, who cares? It's never been done before. The No Fun League strikes again. What I want to do, though, for breaking down this game, before I don't, I don't want to just jump into the pick and the spread and the over-under. I want to break this down and give you who I really think is going to win the game. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching are the categories. We're going to break it down. Let's see who gets the nod in each. Start with offense. I know Tom Brady, Golson, Evans, if Antonio Brown plays, Fournette. They have a really good offense in Tampa Bay, but I just don't think it matches up with Tyreek Hill, um, Edwards Alera, the backfield, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. I give the edge on offense to Kansas City. Defensively, this is tough also because Kansas City's defense is kind of meh, in my opinion. Tampa Bay's defense, when they're on, when Devin White's running around like a man possessed, they are a really good unit. 
I like Tampa Bay's defense, believe it or not, in this matchup. Not necessarily, but to beat the Kansas City offense, I just think that the Tampa Bay defense is better than the Kansas City defense. So, so far, I give the offensive nod to KC. I give the defensive nod to Tampa Bay. Special teams. Remember, folks, special teams is more than just a kicker. It's a punter. It's return units. It's everything. I like the Kansas City Chiefs special teams units from kicker on down. I think they're dynamic. They're capable of making a play, and they're not going to make a lot of mistakes. Keep that in mind. And then lastly, coaching. Now you have Bruce Arians. He's been in big games before. He's been a coordinator in Super Bowls. He's never been a, a head coach in the Super Bowl, and Andy Reid was just there last year. He got over the hump and finally won one. I do love Andy Reid. I love Eric Bieniemy. That tandem is really, really good, and they're really tough to beat. I'm going to give the edge to Kansas City. So you take a look at that. I'm giving the edge to Kansas City in three out of the four of my categories there. So clearly you would think that Jeff's going to take Kansas City, right? Well, let's look at the spread. Kansas City Chiefs are giving three points. They are giving three points. It's basically a home game for Tampa Bay. And Kansas City's giving three. And the over-under is set at 56 points. 56 points. So I thought about this a lot, and I was... I was right with some of my picks leading up to the Super Bowl. I was really off with the overrun. They are calling for some rain, potentially, down in Tampa on Sunday afternoon evening. That could definitely hinder the scoring, but I don't think it's going to affect either of these teams that much. Arrowhead is a tough place to play. It gets nasty in the winter. The Chiefs are not going to be phased by some rain. Tampa Bay is used to this type of weather. This is their home stadium, their home turf. It's not going to phase them either. Therefore, I do want to say I'm taking the over in this game. I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. I do not think it's going to be a repeat of Patriots and Rams a few years ago. I think this is going to be a light em up style game where it's going to be a lot of scoring. I'm going to take the over of 56. But who's going to win? Kansas City giving three. I like Kansas City on the money line, but do I think that they're going to cover the spread? I actually think that they will. Kansas City is just such a tough team to beat. Patrick Mahomes is so good, and he's so good at the clutch moments of a game that it's tough to go against him. It really is. So here you have it. I like the Kansas City Chiefs on the money line, also giving three to cover that spread, and I like the over-under set at 56 points. So there you have it. Jeff Hartman's pick is that the Kansas City Chiefs win back-to-back Super Bowl titles. That I, I'm, I'm sick of the Chiefs. i got to be honest. I'm really sick and tired of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I'm sick of Patrick Mahomes and seeing him in his sideshow Bob hair all the time and State Farm commercials, head and shoulders commercials with Troy Polamalu. And he seems like he's everywhere. It seems like he's everywhere. And, you know, I'm sick of Tom Brady, too. But let's not get... I, I know that a, a couple shows ago, I did a little segment on how you got to admire Tom Brady. And yes, that is true, and I stand by that comment. But I do want to say, I'm sick and tired of Tom Brady. I'm sick and tired of seeing him in the Super Bowl. So, I, that, when I think of it this way, I'm not overly excited for this game. There's people like Brian Anthony Davis who says, I love the Super Bowl no matter who's playing. I think that they are, it's the greatest day of the year, all that stuff. I don't necessarily buy that. Uh, to, 
I'm just I just don't like the the matchup's good for the NFL. Not good for me necessarily. I will watch, like I said at the beginning of the show, but begrudgingly. We'll put it that way. All right. I, t- I teased this on Wednesday. When we did our mailbag segment on Wednesday, I got a question from a fan that said, what was your favorite uh, memory in person and on TV of the Steelers? And the in-person was, I said, how I was uh, in 2013, NBC found my Twitter feed they saw the website that I was running, my own website at the time, and I was selected as the fan of the week. I said, but I, I didn't want to spend a ton of time talking about um, my favorite moment on television because I said, let's save that. I'm going to do it on Friday. So here we go. My heart to heart is a really special uh, game that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Now, growing up, I didn't see the Steelers of the 70s. My first taste of Super Bowl Steelers was – the 1994 season, which dramatically ended in the AFC Championship game against the San Diego Chargers, Stan Humphreys, and I don't want to talk about that game. And then 1995 is when the Steelers went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Cowboys, Neil O'Donnell. Don't want to talk about that game, but that's what got me into it. This is what that, Those two seasons really got me hooked as a fan. And then you went through everything else. You went through the rest of the 90s and the struggles and the AFC Championship losses. And then the early 2000s come and not much traction. And 2003 was awful and 6 and 10. But that led you to the 11th overall pick and you draft Ben Roethlisberger. And his rookie year was, it was magical, magical. But they lose in the AFC Championship game to the New England Patriots at Heinz Field. And then in 2005, when all looks like it's lost, this crazy team finds a way to get into the postseason, and they are on this path where you know they beat the Bengals in the wild card round. Carson Palmer goes down, Kimo von Olhoffen, eh, whatever tip of the cap, and then they go to the Indianapolis. Now earlier in that season, the Colts, I think they played. It was in prime time. I believe it was Monday Night Football. Could have been Sunday night. I don't know. Could be wrong. I should have double checked. I didn't. Sorry. They, they had played them, and the Colts blew their doors off during the regular season. And everyone said, and I remember saying this to my brother and my dad, I think if the Steelers play them again, it will be a different story. So that game was obviously in January, and I remember that my parents decided to come over and to watch the game with their sons. At the time, my brother lived close enough uh, to where we were staying that we decided we were going to all get together for the game. So my brother lived in a small town in Northern Virginia, and it had we had had some inclement weather leading up to the game, some snow, should put it that way, and also some wind. So on the day of the game, it was an early afternoon game, my wife and I get in our vehicle and we drive down to my brother's house. And Jay is telling me, when I get there, he goes, we're having some issues. And I said, well, what do you mean we're having issues? He said, there's something wrong with the satellite dish. I'm not getting a signal. I tried calling the company. They're not going to be able to come out until Monday. And I said, well, what are our options here? And he said, well, I I don't know what we can do. We could go to a bar and we could watch it there. And everyone was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, my dad, he wants to pay for all that beer if you're going to drink it and stuff. And I wasn't drinking any of that, but still. um, Well, I said, "What, what other options? We could go back to our condo, but it's small and that's another that's a 45-minute drive. And I was like, no, no, I don't think so. Next thing you know, I was like, well, what about we call some of our fraternity brothers? Okay, so my brother and I went to college together. He's three years older than me, but we were actually in the same fraternity too. So we're brothers and brothers. 
So we put in a call to our friend Mason, and he lived in the town where we went to college, which was Shepherdstown, West Virginia. We went to Shepherd College or Shepherd University, as it's called now. And we said, Mason, we're having issues, man. He's a big Steeler fan. Can we watch the game at your place? Now, Mason had this tiny little apartment, and he said, hey, I don't have a lot of space, but you are more than welcome. And my brother said, I just want you to know that Jeff's and his girlfriend at the time, wife, whatever, they're coming, and my parents are in town too. Mason said, the more the merrier. Bring them over. So we get in our cars, we drive about 20 minutes, and we get to Mason's place, and we didn't realize that Mason also had company. It wasn't like when we got there, it was just Mason and his wife. It was Mason, his wife, a couple other fraternity brothers, and even neighbors of his in the apartment complex where he lived. And so here we are all crammed in this tiny, I believe it was like a two-bedroom apartment. It barely had enough seating for everyone. People were standing up. So that game... I don't need to tell you about the game. That game was incredible. My dad has a terrible towel that he only gets out during playoff games. And so he had it with him and he put it underneath the TV. It looked nice right there underneath the TV and we were ready to go. And so we're watching the game and there's the sack of Peyton Manning. Joey Porter comes off the edge untouched, sacks Peyton Manning. Everyone says game over ball game. My dad, we all jumped up and we, tackled each other and he grabs the terrible towel off the tv stand and starts swinging it around and we're hooping and hollering and then when jerome bet is fumbled i've never seen grown men go from pure elation to almost vomiting because they feel like they're going to be sick to their stomach after what they're watching now vanderjack ended up missing the field goal and then we were all happy and hugging again that entire day In that entire game, I could do an entire 30-minute podcast on just that game, was something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. I had so much fun uh, being around people that I love, that love the Steelers as much as I do. Watching this team, that team was so remarkable in so many ways. That game itself was just so back and forth. You think about the Troy Polamalu should have been interception that was overturned. It was remarkable. It was absolutely remarkable. And it's something I'll never forget. And that's why even that, that, that game for me, Trump's Super Bowl 40. I didn't watch the game with everyone like that in Super Bowl 40. It Trump's Super Bowl 43. Um, my brother and I watched that game together in our families, but that was, it wasn't the same. That was my favorite memory on screen with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I want to share that story. I'm sure that everyone has their own Steelers versus Colts 2005 story, um, but that's mine. So I hope you enjoyed it. Now, a lot of fans might be saying, wow, it's I can't believe it's going to be over. I mean, the next time we talk on Monday, that next time we talk on Monday, I hate to tell you all this, it's done. It's done. My show's not done, but the season will officially be done. The 2020-2021 NFL season will be a wrap. So what's next? Well, a lot of stuff. You talk about... We're going to be talking, I'm going to be doing this show Monday, through Monday, Wednesday, Friday through the whole off season. So that's not going to stop. So if you're worried about the ride or die crew, just dying out, it's, I'm not going anywhere. If you all go somewhere, that's on you, but I'm not going anywhere. You know, February 23rd is when, from February 23rd to March 9th is when teams can put the franchise tag on players. We'll be there to talk about that. March 15th is when they can start talking to free agencies, free agents, March 17th is when the new league year begins. April 5th is when clubs with new head coaches get to begin off-season workouts. 
April 19th is when off-season workouts for teams with returning coaches start. And April 23rd is the deadline for restricted free agents. And April 29th is the draft. We're going to be here the whole time, folks. We're not going anywhere. Not just me. Every single podcast on our platform will be here with you for the long haul. You can take that to the bank. I hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. I hope that you get this last taste of football because it's going to be a long offseason. It always is. But there's going to be a lot of news with the Steelers, and we'll be there to cover it, to talk about it, break things down for you, and get you ready for the next phase of this upcoming season. Have a great weekend, everyone, as we always finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Here we go. We'll see you on Monday.